0: The Sprawl is a crowd-funded, independent, made-in-Calgary model of local journalism. The only reason we can keep doing journalism like this is thanks to people like you. So please become a monthly supporter of The Sprawl so we can keep at it. You can sign up at www.patreon.com slash sprawlcalgary.
1: The next stop, Sprawlcast.
0: You're listening to Sprawlcast. It's a collaboration between The Sprawl and CJSW 90.9 FM, and we are broadcasting in Calgary on Treaty 7 land. My name is Jeremy Clausus and I'm the founder and editor of The Sprawl. And at The Sprawl, we do journalism a little bit differently. We do depth, not breadth. Context, not clickbait. And we are constructive, not cynical. I'm really excited to bring you our fourth episode, The Streetcar That Wasn't. This is the sound of 17th Avenue Southeast, also known as International Avenue. Now, as you can hear, that's no streetcar. Those are cars, trucks, buses, and we'll get into why that is. But first, we're going to pop into a strip mall along the street here. We're going to go into Green Cedars Food Mart.
2: The best way to explain the shop, honestly, is if you're online and you see a recipe and you're like, what the hell is that? You're more than likely going to find it here. And if you like hummus, like, you got to try our hummus. We made top five foods in Canada. We were on CBC, I think it was a few years back, as one of the top foods in Canada. So if you really like hummus and you're listening out there, we're going to ruin it for you.
0: This is Mike Saru, and his family owns and runs this shop. They have for 18 years. And seriously, the hummus is the creamiest, smoothest hummus I've ever had. I bought a tub from him and basically finished it that night. And this is what International Avenue is. A diverse street where you have hundreds of little shops and restaurants like this one.
2: I, I wouldn't just say the one word as in culture, because canadians in general different backgrounds right um but the amount of different backgrounds that are available on 17th avenue anything you're craving you'll find from shawarmas to ethiopian restaurants to a shisha lounge to whatever you're looking for from mcdonald's to tim hortons it's all here yeah no for sure and it's and it's it's really centralized when you come to location downtown's five minutes away you got 16th avenue memorial stony trail it's all so close and accessible right
0: it's about to become even more accessible and that's because international avenue is undergoing a huge transformation this summer now if you listen to our last episode about 17th avenue southwest you know that what's happening there is basically a facelift and some minor cosmetic improvements that's not what's happening on 17th ave southeast it's a $180 million revamp, and it's substantial. New bus lanes, dedicated BRT bus lanes, are being built right down the centre of the street. And new bridges for these buses are being built over Deerfoot Trail and the Bow River. And this is a big deal, because this area of the city has been disconnected for a long time. And the project that's happening now has been decades in the making.
3: I remember driving through with my sister when I was fairly young, and I remember she was going to international studio, uh, stereo to buy a stereo, and I just remember looking around saying, saying, I didn't feel safe. And the reason why I didn't feel safe is because of the way it looked and the infrastructure uh, was so substandard. Like, it just was a different world when you came over Deerfoot.
0: This is Allison Kareem McSweeney, And she's been leading the International Avenue BRZ, or Business Revitalization Zone, since the early 90s. And she's really been driving the vision for the avenue ever since. Here she's reflecting on her early impressions of the street before she got the job.
3: And I thought, yeah, that's, that's, it's not really fair. Like, why, why is it so different from other parts of the city. Like, why why is the road all crumbly? Why is there chipped sidewalks? Why is there, like, no handicap accessibility? Why, you know, all those kind of things. It really, really stuck in my mind.
0: Soon as Allison was hired, she didn't waste any time in trying to make the street better.
3: We did a, a whole redesign plan of the street, and we took it to the city. Um, we actually had um, some good research that said that you know, our users, there was, I think, 40% of our users were not auto-oriented. So we had, I think, uh, 28% were walking, 10% transit, and 2% were using uh, cyclists or were cycling. And um, so from that, we actually did a whole sort of redesign plan. And actually, it was quite pretty. Um, We had um, sidewalks, we actually had um, delineated crosswalks that made it safer. Because also, it was such a wide street and so poorly planned um, that also there was um, it really wasn't safe to cross. So what we we're finding is there was no uh, movement from north to south as readily as it could have been. Um, so if you were living on the south side of the street, you, you often didn't want to go to the north side because you had to cross this massive unsafe roadway. Um, so we looked at how we could do things a lot different. We actually did traffic calming, um, which, of course, didn't go over well with the transportation engineers at the City of Calgary. Um, and we also had um, other things incorporated in, um, you know, public site amenities. We had places for people to sit. Uh, we had art, all sorts of great things. And we paid for that ourselves. Um, and we took it down to the city. This was like 95. Um, they pretty much said, well, that's not going to happen.
0: Allison kept running into a barrier at City Hall, and here was the problem. The city's vision for the street, or lack of vision, was guided by a planning document from the 1970s. And this plan called for the street to actually be widened. It was already a wide street to begin with, but they wanted it to be widened further, basically to move more cars. The plan also called for a series of permanent road closures on neighbourhood streets along 17th Ave. I wanted to dig into the archives to get more info on these historical plans. And when I asked the city about this, they actually directed me to Allison because she's been keeping all these records in her office, in a filing cabinet. And her office is kind of strewn with maps and old plans and blueprints and all manner of documents that have been accumulated over decades okay
3: so what are we looking at here oh this is a good one so this is the overall map that uh this is the different phases of the cults survey that they did this is uh what year this was. This has always been on the books since 1976 for the area. It's now actually been removed because there's a brand new transportation plan that you see that's occurring now. Yeah. But see all these. Oh yeah. These little things are all road closures. Yeah. And there's also all these other sort of areas, but you note that there's really not any landscaping, very little sidewalks. It's all about moving vehicles. Yeah. Um, and that's a real concern. So if you actually count them, we came up with 26.
0: 26 of these road closures.
3: Yeah, up and down the street. So um, basically
0: you can't get on to 17th from the community.
3: You pretty much couldn't, yeah. no. And um, So then you kind of question, well, why is there even a business district when you're doing that? You just want to be a roadway. And we never wanted that. Obviously, we work for the businesses um, and for the community. So I think this was pretty much the motivator for the last 20 years is to make sure that this this plan never was implemented.
0: Even though this was the plan on the books, by the 1990s, people at City Hall were starting to realize this makes no sense. I'll let Councillor Giancarlo Carra tell the story.
1: Dr. Paul Moss was hired by the city of Calgary, moved to Calgary. And his research, uh, getting his doctorate, was all about sort of pedestrian areas and pedestrian use of main streets. And so he undertook uh, sort of a, uh, a review engagement of the kind of work he did for his doctoral thesis or his doctoral dissertation uh, in Calgary in his new home and his role as sort of like the city architect. And what he found uh, was that on International Avenue, you had amongst the highest concentration of pedestrian-origin shoppers, like in in the least pedestrian-friendly environment. So people were walking uh, from their homes to shop. People were uh, walking from their homes and taking transit, using the avenue as a pedestrian-oriented main street in a much higher per capita sense than the other traditional main streets in the city Uh, Most of people arriving at those by car
0: Councillor Cura was elected in 2010 But before that he was involved with a project called the International Avenue design initiative and this is a project that started in 2003 basically to reimagine this street and there were people from the city of Calgary involved the BRZ was involved and the University of Calgary also played a big role in fact The university actually ran a course about this. And Councillor Currah did his master's thesis on this project. And some really important work came out of this design initiative. Anywhere you go
1: in Calgary, the population on the ground does not reflect the ethnic diversity of our city writ large, except along International Avenue in the communities of Greater Forest Lawn. In those communities between uh, Memorial Drive, on the north, Pagan Trail on the south, from the Bow River Escarpment to the Ring Road, you actually have a population that reflects the population writ large of the city. And it's and it, it really is an international avenue and it's an international set of communities. And and its main street should be a great street. And that was one of the arguments we made. And we we envisioned a multimodal, multiway boulevard anchored by transit putting the forest back in forest lawn, wide sidewalks, uh, and and we drew a lot of pretty pictures about that and you know laid out some AutoCAD ideas of how that avenue would work.
0: And they developed a strategy for what they called the East Calgary Corridor, running from Calgary up International Avenue and all the way out to Chestermere. You had a relatively short corridor that had
1: great bones and that had... Great population, and the idea is that if you ran great transit out along there, you would solve the original sin that had plagued the town of Forest Lawn, that it was completely disconnected.
0: The original sin. Okay, so now it's time to talk about the streetcar that wasn't. <phone rings> to understand what's happening on International Avenue today, we have to go back just a little over a century to 1910.
1: Forest Lawn was a town out on the eastern edge of the city. Uh, And basically, it was was a lower-income town because it was a bit of a bedroom community for people who lived in Calgary but couldn't afford to live in, or worked in Calgary but couldn't afford to live in Calgary.
0: I wanted to find out how the town got started, and so I went to the local history room of the Calgary Library. And there I dug through a bunch of newspaper clippings until I found it, or thought I found it. Here's the story that's been circulating for a while. A couple of American real estate men bought farmland east of Calgary for a new subdivision. They called it Forest Lawn, naming it after a picturesque Hollywood cemetery. But they had a problem. People weren't buying the lots, because there weren't transportation facilities in the area. And Forest Lawn was separated from Calgary by the escarpment and the Bow River. So how do you sell these lots? Well, as the story goes, these real estate con men came up with a stroke of genius. They said a streetcar line is coming into the neighborhood. And they went as far as to buy up hundreds of railroad ties and they laid them from the middle of Forest Lawn down to Calgary. Their ploy worked. People were excited about the streetcar and bought the lots. But then the swindlers disappeared. And there was no streetcar. So I thought that was the story, but turns out it's a bit of a tall tale. I thought I would double check this story by looking at old newspapers from 1910. You can actually pull them up on Google's newspaper archive. And I thought it'd be cool to get one of those forest lawn advertisements from those days. I couldn't find one. But what I did find was advertisements for the Chestermere Calgary Suburban Railway Company. In 1910, Calgary was about to undergo a streetcar boom. And this company planned to run rails from Calgary all the way out to Lake Chestermere. And it wasn't just the forest lawn real estate guys who were using this to sell lots. A bunch of subdivisions east of Calgary were doing the same. For example, Habalta. And that's how you got your subdivision going in those days. If there was a streetcar coming, it would draw the people. But unfortunately, the Chestermere Calgary Suburban Railway Company failed. The streetcar was a hope and nothing more. Forest Lawn was stuck with a disconnected community.
1: The act of commuting at that time in the turn of the last century, you know, involved basically walking across the prairie to the edge of the escarpment walking down the escarpment, crossing the irrigation canal, crossing the floodplain, crossing the Bow River, and walking into Inglewood where you would catch the trolley to points distance. And um, it was considered at the time a very ethnically diverse place in the sense that there were like Polish people and British people and Ukrainian people all living cheek to jowl. Um, And that group of people sort of, you know, were, were were the old town stock. And uh, by 19—there's an interesting sort of picture, actually, in my master's thesis. I think the winning parade—the uh, winning float in the 1958 Stampede Parade was the entry from the town of Forest Lawn, and it was a float entitled Forest Lawn, Town of the Future. And, you know, so there was a tremendous amount of civic pride. Uh, there, mayor Ackerman was, I think, the last mayor of, of Forest Lawn. But by 1961, the realization had sort of set in amongst the the, the town folk that if they wanted to become that town of the future, if they wanted their roads paved, if they wanted to get off the septic systems and onto a modern sewage system, annexation by the city was probably the thing that needed to happen. And so in 1961, uh, Forest Lawn, the town, was annexed into the city of Calgary.
0: But once again, it was a letdown. It was kind of like the streetcar all over again.
1: Things didn't exactly go as planned. It did not become It did not become the... Uh, um, the town of the future. What, what they did get the roads paved to a certain extent. They did get off the septic systems onto the sewage. But the city at that time, you know, built the Deerfoot Trail, which added just one more barrier between it and the city. And the main street sort of became a stripified 1960s strip with giant parking lots.
0: The people of Forest Lawn were stuck fighting for amenities and infrastructure that the rest of the city got. And by the 1970s, 17th Ave was a mess. It had the highest accident rate in the city. And meanwhile, the city came up with its plan to widen the street to six lanes, making it basically a busier thoroughfare. And locals rose up against it. The alderman at the time, Gord Schrake, warned that if this went ahead, it would split the community in two. And these two halves would be separated by a Berlin wall of cars and parking lots. By the time Allison was there in the 90s, the city still had little to give to the communities along International Avenue. And the community's 1995 plan to revamp the street and give it a decent public realm just didn't compute.
3: This was extremely controversial because it was called All Nations Park and it was kind of set in the middle um, of the huge width that the city wanted. And of course, we would get people saying, well, you're going to have kids playing in a park. Yes, but doesn't mean that they're going to run out onto the street. It's still, you know, you're slowing down the traffic. You're creating a nice kind of area for people to meander and to look.
0: After years of neglect, they also wanted to make a statement.
3: We had quite a grand entrance. We wanted to have something that was fairly iconic, a gateway, which we'll be doing here. Um, We also had, you know, boulevard trees. We had flagpoles, trash receptacles, decorative railings. Um, We also had three meter colored concrete sidewalks, which is, you know, 10 feet, which is actually happening now, so.
0: But even in the early 2000s, City Hall wasn't there yet. They approached streets more or less the way they always had. At the very same time that we were
1: doing um, the International Avenue Design Initiative as a uh, you know, community-requested, um, university-led research project, um, the city was redoing 16th Avenue North as a transportation department-driven um, You know, community resisted project. And, you know, whereas we were envisioning a multimodal avenue, they were envisioning creating a bigger, scarier car street. And it took, you know, the leadership at the time of my colleague now, Drew Farrell, saying, you know, this is old school, even for now, 2004. It's time to think, you know, it's time to think about other things than just moving cars we have to think about creating a great street we have to think about how pedestrians move all of those things and you know she dragged kicking and screaming administration into thinking about this as more than a transportation project we were doing a community building project with the idea of a better street sort of coming out of that so it's a very interesting was sort of a tale of two avenues that was unfolding at the time
0: and in a blast from the past The International Avenue Design Initiative actually proposed a streetcar for the avenue. This was nearly a century after the streetcar had been proposed for the area in the first place. And the idea, once again, was to get decent transit out there. So that 2005 plan had some pretty big ideas.
3: That really helped in terms of kind of helping to solidify what the community's vision was. Um, And from there, then the city um, was looked at all the different documents and tried to essentially, you know, they couldn't accept our document outright, the um, International Avenue Design Initiative um, document, so they had to kind of do their own research. Um, Unfortunately, it took about four to five years. It was quite a long uh, time.
1: There was a lot of churn in between 2005 and you know, 2010, when I finally said, I can't take it no more and became a city councilor. Uh, and very happily, when I was elected in 2010, uh, we had a large contingent of strong East Calgary sympathetic councilors on council for the first time ever. You know, and that's and an East Calgary mayor and Mayor Nancy actually was very aware of the work we were doing because he had sat on the granting committee for the Calgary Foundation that we had gone begging for funds to help support this work.
0: By 2010 the city had finally come up with a new plan for International Avenue.
3: They did come up with a great document the Southeast 17 plan. Um, The thing about that however is it was non-statutory which really didn't help us a lot meaning that we still had a lot of inconsistencies because we had so many different communities bordering we had different um, area redevelopment plans and so uh, for instance we could block certain things like um, you know pawn shops in a certain area but they literally could move just outside of this you know Twelve block radius, and then they were allowed, and there was nothing we could do. So there was a number of these things that um, really didn't treat the street as a whole, which it needed to. Um, and so just recently, actually this this year, um, we will have that plan actually made statutory. So it means that the whole street will be uh, consistent, which I think is huge. It was
0: also huge when the city broke ground on this new bus rapid transit project. Last May, It's going to provide efficient, reliable
2: public transit within the communities of Greater Forest Lawn and to get people downtown. Huge benefits for commuters all over the city. And it's also going to make this street what it needs
0: to be. Wider sidewalks, new boulevards, improved landscaping, safer crosswalks, a better environment for people to enjoy the wonderful businesses here. That was Mayor Nahed Nenshi speaking at the groundbreaking ceremony last year. And get this. The public art for this project is being done by local artists, people with some sort of connection to the communities along International Avenue.
3: The public art is going to be amazing Um, along the BRT line, which is down the center. It's all ground level. Um, It'll be all glass, but there also will be a number of murals that are incorporated um, up and down the street, and they'll all be with the theme of food. So um, those have already been chosen. Um, Tremendous Tremendous quality of art, Uh, very impressed.
0: Family businesses like Green Cedars Food Mart are happy to see this finally happening.
2: If it's going to bring more people to the area, that's a bonus for any business that's going to benefit from that, right? There is ups and downs, obviously. You know, too many people with a place that can't, like our plaza, you can see there's lots of parking. We got a nice big plaza, but I look at other plazas there again. You know, no, there's not too much parking close to them anymore. So there's ups and downs to it for sure. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll address that when they come across it.
0: This will be a new street, but not everybody is getting what they want.
1: The big challenge, of course, is how do you make the avenue work for bikes? Because you've got to move traffic, you've got to move, um, you've got to move transit, you've got to. Uh, Move pedestrians who use on, on wider sidewalks. You've got to create uh, convenience parking to keep the businesses uh, viable. It's essential for a main street. If you're driving by and you see a store, even if there isn't room to park, that parking lets you know <laughs> that 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 you can get out, and it's 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 just absolutely essential to the psychology of successful retail to have the parking there, uh, and. And then there's you've got to have enough width between the alley and what's left to have viable buildings. And what got cut out on International Avenue was dedicated cycle track infrastructure. And uh, what we've done is we've made the wide, wide sidewalks, uh, multi youth, bylawed as multi-youth pass, so you'll be allowed to cycle on them. But the other thing that we're doing that's even more important is on 19th Avenue— uh, with the savings or with 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 money from the fund, from from the general avenue fund we're working to build a the first cycle track east of the deerfoot and so international avenue 17th avenue southeast is banded to the north by 16th avenue and to the south by 19th avenue both of these streets are really really wide you know unfortunately wide, inappropriately wide, and largely backed onto by the back end of the businesses. So the overall urban design plan is to front onto those streets and to narrow those streets and to calm them. And a cycle track's a great strategy for doing that. That will narrow 19th Avenue, make it a lot more pleasant, and it will act as a magnet, drawing ev- all the cyclists who are commuting. Onto a cycle track, and 19th Avenue spits out right where the multi-use path of that of that transit bridge spits out onto the top of the escarpment. So, between accommodating uh, uh, cycle commuters and accommodating uh, cyclist patrons of the businesses, I think you know we've got it as great as you can get it.
0: It's been over a hundred years since the people of Forest Lawn were first lured there with the promise of a streetcar. And now they're finally about to get decent east-west connectivity. And I think we can all agree, it's about time. And in a way, it's like 1910 all over again. Because once again, there's talk of rail transit in the future. Running down the middle of the
1: avenue is a beautiful transit right-of-way that will run buses today, but is being designed so that we can lay track in the future. So, you know, $100 million builds the avenue... Uh, 80 million dollars takes you down to Inglewood. Over the next four years, my mission is to find another 80 to 100 million dollars to connect the Inglewood stop with a junction station on the on the on the Green Line. So at some point in the future, you'll be leaving the downtown core on the Green Line, or will you be on the Green Line? You're either going to be on the Green Line or the Purple Line, and when you get to the junction station, you better be on the right train because the Green Line's going into the southeast, and the Purple Line's heading out east up International Avenue and out to Chestermere.
3: That change has taken a long time, and it's taken a lot of perseverance. And I think what's interesting is, because the knowledge base has always been in this office for a long time, for instance, I had um, a group who came through and they were planning on doing a, a, um, a redevelopment And I looked at the plans, and I said, why is there a road closure there on your plans? And they said, well, that's what the city told us. I said, that's not right. And they said, well, we were told it was. And I said, no, I can prove that it wasn't right, because I actually went to council and made sure that that was removed out of the document to make sure that that wouldn't happen. But it still was on the city's books. So if there wasn't a watchdog, um, all these things could be put in. But because we have evidence of everything that we've done since 1993— Um, We have a really good historical archive that can pretty much pull anything up. And what was really um, funny about that is literally it took me, I'd say, three minutes to find it. I'm like, no, I remember this. And I remember, you know, and I pulled it up right away and just provided it, sent it to the city and said, look, um, guys, I don't think that this is correct. And they said, oh, my goodness, you're right. Absolutely.
1: I have to give a huge shout out. um, The BRZ has been led tirelessly through this entire period and for many, many years before I emerged on the scene by Allison Kareem McSweeney, who, you know, understood the avenue and the businesses that she was working on and, and ran the BRZ, now the BIA, uh, not just as a business association, but also as a community development agency.
3: There were so many things to overcome. Um, and I don't think that people realize all the policy and different things that had to change over the years in order to change the actual physical environment. And then you also have to convince people that it's worthy of being changed and that um, it's time is due. And I have to give kudos, obviously, to our mayor and to Councillor uh, Kara and Councillor Chabot, um, particularly because they did really go to bat. They really did like what they saw um you know we had a plan um in 1995 and frankly if that plan would have been implemented it would have been still in a really amazing place um 19 you know the 2005 plan with the international avenue design initiative was an amazing plan um but i have to say that i think the plan that's being implemented now i think is the right plan
1: it felt like in 2004 2005 when we were doing this work we, we, we People thought we were crazy people. Um, but we had a lot of community support. And we had, you know, a vision that is now not bleeding edge, but like right in the wheelhouse of best practice. And to be in a position where the city's executing it is extremely exciting and extremely rewarding. End of
3: line. Thanks for
1: listening and see you again soon.
0: been listening to sprawlcast make sure you check out our website because we're going to post a bunch of the research material for this sprawlcast including photos maps old newspaper articles all the fun stuff that way you can actually see what we've been talking about some of the proposals from the past and also what's being done now that's at www.sprawlcalgary.com and make sure you're following us on social media. We're at Sprawl Calgary on all the major platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And finally, make a point of going to International Avenue to support these businesses during construction season. It should be good when it's done, but right now it's tough for a lot of them. And if you've not spent much time on the avenue, Hey, now's a good time to do it.
3: People on our food tour all say this is an amazing place. I had no idea all these things exist. So take the time to explore, and I think that you'll find that um, this could be very well one of the one of your favorite places.
0: The Sprawlcast theme music is by Dan D. Augustino and Kenny Murdoch, and our c Train narrator is the longtime voice of the real Sea Train, Holly McConnell. Thanks for listening and see you around International Avenue. If you want more local, in-depth Calgary journalism like this, please become a monthly supporter of The Sprawl. We don't sell ads. We rely on crowdfunding. We're supported directly by people who believe in journalism done differently. People like you. You can sign up at www.patreon.com slash sprawlcalgary.